Our scripture today is John 17. After Jesus said this, He looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that may, excuse me, that, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have traveled, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the word you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. Excuse me. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world anymore, that I am of the world, than I am the world. My prayer is not that you have that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth, your word is the truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you and are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know 
that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. We're going to launch into a new series here, uh, What Matters Most. You know, it was just two years ago on this first Sunday of May that I stood up here for the first time with a I came up, I don't know if you were here that day and remember that, but I came up with this Duck Dynasty beard that our church in Springfield had sent us off with. They, that was all they knew about West Monroe was Duck Dynasty, so they sent us with plenty of stuff. And, and so I got up, and, and that was when you knew you were in trouble. That's when I stood up with that on there. But it has been a great two years, and, and we're looking forward to more. And, and something about, you know, I guess just... The anniversary of, of being in ministry in a place, you know, last year we kind of took the month of May and, and just kind of focused on us as a church and what are we doing and why. And, and we're going to do that again this, this May, um, but kind of from a different angle or a different perspective. And we're going to talk about uh, values. We're going to talk about the things that matter most. And what we believe is that when we value what matters most, we'll do what matters most. And this actually isn't a blank on your, you can write it on the back, but this is just going to be kind of our, our weekly thing that, uh, that, you know, if we'll value what matters most, we'll do what matters most. What, what a person or an organization values drives what they do, you know, the things that they prize most highly drive what they do. If, if they, uh, you know, if they prize history, then, then you, you can see that about them, you know, because they'll, they'll value that, then they'll, they'll have great, you know, they'll be like a museum, they'll have lots of valuable information about the past. If they value, uh, you know, if an organization values customer service, man, you can tell. You can tell the ones that really get it. You know, nobody gets it right now better than Chick-fil-A, I don't think. They just continue to amaze me when I happen to stop by just at how they've they're thinking outside the box and always trying to one-up themselves. Even as they get busier and busier, it seems like, how can the lines get any longer? They just figure out how to get the line to move faster and because they care about the customer. You can just tell the things that a company, you can tell you know, on the other side of that, the, the companies that don't value customer service, right? And that's plainly obvious. And so similarly with, with churches and with individuals, you know, the things that we value and say, you know, this matters the most, well, those are the things that affect what we do and how we live and our actions and behaviors and choices. And so it's worthwhile, I think, to stop and talk about our values as a church. And not just what we actually and what our actions say that we value, but, but even more than that, what we want to value. <laughs> All right? And sometimes these things are... Some of these things are, th- are going to be stuff that we're pretty good at and we do value and it's obvious. Some of these things are going to be things that we've got a ways to go and then there'll be stuff in the middle, you know. But uh, these, we're going to have eight of them, two each week for the m- next few weeks. And 
I just want to point out the obvious that these are not coming down on stone tablets from Sinai or anything like that. These are, uh, but you know, these are just eight, and you could probably come up with some that you think, well, this would have been a better one, or this would have been a better one. Uh, but you know, the thing is, if we try to value a hundred things, we've valued nothing, right? And we're going to just try and, and focus on a few that that if we can if we can work on these values, if we can work on you know heating them up, uh, keeping them at the center of our focus, then it's going to result in some good, positive behavior and actions in our church. And I think as we go through this, you'll find that, that what's healthy for our church is healthy for you as well in your own lives and as you go about them throughout the week, not just here on, uh, at church stuff. So, so let's dive in. And, and the first couple of these are going to be so painfully obvious that you're going to think, why did you even put these down? Neil, of course, a church should value these things. But, you know, sometimes, as we've said before, what is obvious doesn't mean that we're actually doing it, right? <laughs> Just because something is, is plain doesn't mean that we're actually following through on it. And I found this illustration that I thought was, was perfect about things that are obvious that that aren't getting you know, any action done around it. And this would actually be a great video for a marriage series sometime too. And so we may have to use it again because I just I thought it was pretty funny. So we'll see if you thought it was funny too. <laughs> it's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless and... I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most, is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like... There's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I... That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just don't try to see things my way. <laughs> Has your wife ever told you that she doesn't need you to fix it? Just listen. <laughs> I've been guilty sometimes of not listening when I should have just listened and I've tried to fix it. I've also been guilty of, of having something that was really obvious that I needed to deal with, but I haven't dealt with it, right? And maybe you've, you've been in a similar thing where you had an obvious nail in your head kind of moment, and yet you weren't doing anything about to fix it. You just wanted to complain about it, right? And so sometimes what is really obvious still, you know, like... Okay, finals coming up, so I need to study for it, and yet we find ourselves not studying, or you know, uh, you know, this this deadline at work is coming up, but and yet we find ourselves not getting it done, and and so sometimes what is obvious, whether it's in a marriage 
or at work or wherever or in the church, it doesn't always mean that, that it's getting done, that we're doing something about it. Sometimes we just want to sit around and talk about it. And so, uh, so we've got to you know, just kind of focus in on these couple of things that even though they may seem really plain, really obvious, um, we, still need to, we still need to deal with them. So the first one, and this is going to sound Sunday schooly to you, but it's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus matters here. We need to make sure that our top value, our number one thing as a church, if, if people know anything about us, let them know that Jesus matters here. Let's talk about it a little bit. This passage of scripture we read, yes, it was long. I, I'm fascinated by it. John 17 is this lengthy prayer of Jesus. Now, we have a lot of prayers of Jesus. They're usually small. They're usually kind of for our benefit, if you will. Um, you know, like, like praying before he does a miracle, you know, so that, Lord, I'm praying to you. I know you always hear me, but I just want to say this to you uh, just to kind of make sure they know. Just to kind of make sure that they know what's going on. So, let's look at the first part of this prayer. John 17, where Jesus begins to talk to his Father. And just think about what this is that we're listening in on. We're listening in on the Son of God speaking to the Father. This is pretty incredible. He says, Father, the time has come. As in, this is at the end. This prayer is prayed at the end. When, when Jesus is about to be betrayed. When Jesus is about to be turned over and crucified. The time has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. And this is central to the early church's teaching. should be central for us. That when Jesus is glorified, when Jesus is lifted up, when Jesus is worshipped, the Father receives glory. The Father is worshipped. That's just something, I don't, we don't know exactly how it works. We just know that time and again it says, if whenever Jesus is honored, glorified, worshipped, the Father is honored, glorified, worshipped. That's how God has chosen to receive glory, is by lifting Jesus up, raising Him up, putting all authority under Him, And that somehow glorifies God. Jesus goes on. For you granted him authority over all people. This is another reason why Jesus has to matter. Because all authority has been given to him. When he gave the church the great commission. You know, to go into all the world and and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. He begins that by saying... All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. Now, we know Jesus is the head of the church, and that would be good enough for us to say, yeah, we need to value Jesus, but he's the head of so much more. God has made him the head over everything. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Again, when Jesus is lifted up, when he's worshipped, God receives glory. He goes on, and this is just, wow, a wow moment. Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. Can you imagine just standing there in the garden, listening to Jesus pray to the Father, 
That would seem pretty surreal, wouldn't it? Father, glorify me with the glory I had in you before the world began. This is not someone just claiming to be a teacher, or a rabbi, or a philosopher, or a prophet, or someone really neat, (laughs) or someone that can do miracles. This is someone declaring that they were with God at the creation, before the world was made, before we existed, before anything existed. There was Jesus with the Father. Jesus matters here. We've got to make everything about Jesus. And that means it's not about us. When we make things about Jesus, that means that they're not about us. Because that's the Jesus way, right? I mean, He came not to be served, but to be a servant to all. He taught His disciples. You know, the the kingdoms of this world, their way is to, to rule it over everybody else, but you're supposed to be different. And the, the, the one of you that's the least shall be the greatest. And he drove it home when he took that towel and the basin and went around and washed his disciples' feet, the ones that should have been serving him, but he stood up and served them. Hmm. The whole, if, if when we make it about Jesus, there's just no way we can make it about us. Because the Jesus way is to love God and then love others. So this is, a, this is a big one for us to get. And, and a lot of churches, a lot of churches struggle with this one. Of course they would all say, Jesus matters here, right? Duh, what else are we doing if we're not about Jesus? And yet, when you look at a church's behavior, when you look at a church's actions, sometimes it seems more like it is about us, Right? I mean, surely you've seen a church where it seemed like it was all about them, right? We all have. And, and the thing is, the, the tragedy of our, our day and age that we live in, there's thousands of churches dying in our nation. Now, there's a multitude of reasons, probably as many as there are churches that are dying. And yet, when you look at many of those churches, the common denominator is, they've made it about them. And may it be said of us that we made it about Jesus instead. You know, it's just, it's kind of one of my my pet peeves, so if you'll just indulge me for a moment. (laughs) There's churches that would gladly say, yes, you know, we're, we're about Jesus here. But when you ask them about, well, what about worship? What about music? Well, they say, well, we're going to do the kind of music that we like. We don't, what does it matter what the community would be most comfortable with if they were to come in here? What they would be able to engage with? That doesn't matter. What, what does it matter about the next generation that's coming up and if they have a different sort of music that they're comfortable singing? Well, that doesn't matter. It's our church. We're going to do it our way. Or you ask them about, well, what about your, your programs and things? And they say, well, you know, we're going to do the programs we like. We, you know, we're going to do fellowship. We're going to do lots of social events. We're going to bring in speakers and singers that, like, that we like, you know, because it's our church, right? Why would, we, why would we invest our time and energy and money into something that, that isn't even for us? That's weird. <laughs> you ask them about, well, what about outreach? 
Well, you know, I mean, if it's a good enough cause, we might, we might give you a couple of dollars or towards something, you know, but, but heaven forbid, don't ask us to like do something, right? What kind of, what kind of preaching do you like? Well, give us something that, that pats us on the back while it rails against the sinners out there. All those people going to Target. <laughs> that makes us feel good while we talk about where we all know the real problems out there. The reason our churches are dying is because those sinners out there aren't getting in here. It's their problem. Let's, let's hear some preaching about that. And when we do all of this, when a church does all of this, we make it about us. And that can't be the case in a church that values Jesus. Because the question then is different. It's, it's what kind of music, what kind of worship is going to honor Jesus and draw people to Him? What kind of programs are going to get people plugged in that are, right now, they're far from God? What's going what's to help them engage with the church? Because, you know, I mean, they're not doing it right now, so let's think outside the box, you know? I mean, yeah, Sunday school has worked great for 200 years, but let's not pretend that Jesus established it. <laughs> it's, it came around in about 1800, and, and so at some point we're going to have to change up the model a little bit and think outside the box if we want Jesus to be the subject. Because otherwise, we're just going to have churches that aren't healthy and are, and are dying. When we think about outreach and, and preaching and all those things, everything that we do, if we start asking, you know, what's going to honor Jesus? What's going to draw people to Him? What's going to make Him the subject? What's going to show that He matters most and it's not about us? It's a different set of questions. It's a different set of answers. And so this is one that even though it's painfully obvious... It's still something that we have to come back to time and again and, and remind ourselves because everyone's tendency, my tendency, is to value the stuff that I, you know, that I like. It's to, to, we gravitate towards an inward focus. It's just what everybody does in every organization. You know, we talked about the, the Chick-fil-A example, but that's something they have to keep heating up that value over and over again. Keep bringing it to the forefront because... We've also all known organizations that were good at something once upon a time and then over time they faded off and they're not anymore. And likewise, just because Jesus is an obvious thing that we should value, just because, well, yeah, we should make everything about Jesus and not about ourselves, it's still something that we have to come back to time and again and say, no, we're going to ask a different question than other churches are asking. We're going to ask, it's going to be about Jesus first and foremost. He's going to be the subject. And the amazing thing about it is, I think if we, if we would do that long enough, then our hearts would be transformed and, are, and changed, especially if we embrace this next value too, to the point where our desires are not quite so different from Jesus' desires. And it's not this painful process And that second value is prayer. Prayer has to matter here. That's what Jesus is doing in this whole chapter, John 17. He's praying. And after this opening prayer, this opening bit where he's just talking to God one-on-one, he begins to pray for people. 
First he prays for his disciples. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. He prays for those disciples that God has entrusted to him. You know, Peter and and John and James and Matthew and all the different disciples that had been with him for so long and they'd been through so much and Jesus knows that the time has come and things are going to get rough and he asks that the Father protect them so that they may be one. And he goes on, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you protect them from the evil one. That one hits me a little close to home sometimes. Because for a lot of us, have we taken ourselves too far out of the world? You know, where we come to a place where we look around and most all of our friends and contacts are our fellow believers like ourselves. And Jesus prayed, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from evil. And this is neat. Not only did he pray for his disciples, he prayed for you. It's not for them alone that I pray, God. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Like the ones who will believe in me through my disciples' message. And we just got done looking at at how Peter, you know, shared the gospel the first time and and then he took it to the Gentiles. And then, you know, we know Paul took it from there and, and the other apostles spreading the message about Jesus throughout the nations. And, and you and I, we believe because of their message, because of what they saw and witnessed and then passed on from generation to generation. And Jesus prayed for us too, that all of them, all of us may be one. Look at the last sentence. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So much of Jesus' prayer at the end was about unity. May my church be one. And why? So that they may believe. So that the world, the whole world, so that all people might believe and know me. I wonder, you know, I feel like the church is, as a whole, in America at least, is, is coming to a more unified place than we've been in a long time. But boy, we, have we got a long ways to go, huh? Can you imagine if we were teaming up instead of competing with other churches? You know, if, if every church had that mentality of how different it would look. You know, if we weren't all trying to do a little something on our own, but we pooled our our resources and our manpower and just can you imagine what that would look like of course the world would be drawn to Jesus the more unified we are but Jesus you know he prayed for his disciples he prayed for us he prayed these bold kingdom prayers and so we've got to pray as though the whole hope of humanity is on the line Because it is. I believe that the local church is the hope of the world. We carry the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope and we're the ones carrying the message. Amen? And so, 
Prayer has to matter here. We've got to pray. There's a trend right now in, in churches where, you know, it's, it's really, there's a lot of emphasis on, on leadership training and on, uh, on systems that you can put in place in your church and things like that. And, and it's a lot of really good and helpful stuff. But I think one of the, the bad things that's come out of that, if you will, is that there's this mentality now that, well, we've got to, We've got to model our church after this model, or we've got to do steps one, two, and three, or I've got to just, you know, if I can be a good enough leader, then, then all this is going to, if we can do enough leadership training in the church, then everything will fall in place, and, and we'll be a successful church, and we'll be a healthy, growing church, and, and we've just got to, you know, do what the healthy, growing churches are doing. <laughs> and the problem with that is that while there's a lot to be learned, and we do need to work as if it depends on us, like we need to work that hard, we need to know that it does not depend on us and that there is the power that is so much bigger than what we can comprehend in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has power to do things beyond what we can dream or imagine possible. And while there, yes, there are churches who you know, seem to be doing amazing things for the kingdom and they've done it mostly on the shoulders of their talent and their giftedness. And, and I believe that God can use that too. I believe He does. But I, don't, I can't believe it's a healthy thing. And by and large, it doesn't work out that way. But man, what would happen if we hit our knees in prayer to such a degree that it was evident that we believe the most important work that we have is prayer. Because the most important part of the equation of what we're trying to do for the kingdom mission is the Holy Spirit's involvement. Jesus, He matters the most. And He is the one that's got all this power at His disposal. And He has sent His Holy Spirit to us, not just for our personal comfort, but to push the kingdom mission forward. And so if we want to be engaged in that kingdom mission, if we want to be pushing the kingdom forward in the name of Jesus, then the most critical work we can do is prayer. Let's not get caught up thinking that we can, if we just do the right stuff, it's all going to fall into place. The number one right stuff that we need to be doing is praying together. And praying bold kingdom prayers like Jesus taught us to. Heaven forbid if our prayer life just ends up being a litany of physical ailments that we bring before God day after day. He taught us to pray that way. But that's just one small part of what he taught us to pray about. I'm not here to ask you to develop a prayer life. I'm not even here to ask you to sign up on the prayer chain. Though those are both really good things. I'm here to say that as a church, let's step up and begin praying bold kingdom prayers. Because there is so much more at stake than our physical well-being... There is even so much more at stake than life or falling asleep. 
Because that's what Jesus and his apostles called dying. There is so much, there are people's souls at stake. Jesus said, you know, what does it profit you to gain the whole world, but forfeit your soul? And what does it profit us to pray everyone to good health, and yet forfeit their souls? And so let's pray some bold kingdom prayers, and it's going to be uncomfortable at first, and it's going to take some learning at first. And we need to do it together, unified, being one. And so, let's start thinking outside the box. Let's start stretching ourselves to pray some different kinds of prayers. When was the last time that you prayed against evil? When was the last time that you prayed against temptation? When was the last time that you prayed for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Or is it always just the daily bread, the daily bread, the daily bread that we pray for? There's bigger things at stake, church. And so we have to put these two values together. And when we do, I think here's what we have to realize. That the one that matters has the power that matters. Right? The one that matters has the power that matters. And if we'll sign up with Him, if we'll make Jesus the focus of what we're trying to do, and if we'll hit our knees as if we expect Him to do mighty things in our day and in our place too, we'll see some amazing things happen. We believe that prayer is the most critical work of the church. And so I want to give you something that you can do this week to put this into practice. That we can do this week to put this into practice as a church. You may not like it. Some of you may like it because you already do it. (laughs) Others of you, it's going to throw a kink in your schedule. But come to We Pray this Wednesday, 6.30. And I I totally understand that schedules get busy and and nights are hard to come by and and family pressures and, and things like that. And I also know that some people just can't. There's just no way. Pray with us where you're at. But if there's any way that you could get here on Wednesday night for We Pray, we only do it once a month, but we're learning to step out of our prayer box and to pray some bold prayers together. Last month we were praying for children and kids in our church and in our community. You should have heard some of the prayers being prayed. For the kids that we see running around the church here that during church time, not, not prayers against them, but prayers for them. Man, we've got to start stretching ourselves. And what better way to do that than to come together and start praying bold prayers together, kingdom kind of prayers. I'm going to leave you just with a couple of quotes from a guy named Jim Cimbala who has been one of the great champions of prayer in the church over the last few decades. And, and he makes some bold statements about prayer. I just wanted to bring a couple of them to you today because I think that it kind of ties together this whole two-pronged message that we did of Jesus and prayer. And the first thing he said is this. What does it say about our churches today that God birthed the church in a prayer meeting and prayer meetings today are almost extinct? And this one, 
You can tell how popular a church is by who comes on Sunday morning. But you can tell how popular Jesus is by who comes to the prayer meeting. Ouch. (laughs) Let's make Jesus the subject. Let's say that he matters most. And that right under that value is the core value of prayer. Praying as though the hope of the world is on the line. Because it is. Let's pray together right now. Father, thank you for Jesus and thank you for prayer. Forgive us for the ways we've made church about us. Forgive us for neglecting the kind of praying that you taught us to do. In truth, God, we know that we cannot accomplish anything of much significance on our own. With you, God, the sky is the limit. So help us to let go of our church and lay such, such a hold of prayer in such a devoted way and start praying such big prayers to you, God, that hell itself would stop short and ask, what just happened? Lord, bring us along. Help us to value the things that you value the most. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.